0: Welcome everyone to today's episode. Sometimes it is the disjunctures in our sporting lives, such as sport injury or another form of adversity, that really trigger us to ask questions about meaning. In many elite sports, such as track and field or athletics, actually the majority of athletes experience at least one injury every year. In sports psychology, many efforts have been made to understand the psychological factors and processes related to injury occurrence and experiences. Interestingly, our guest today notes that this work has largely been very individualistic and acontextual. Therefore, we should shift towards a more cultural and relational discourse and look into the stories of athletes to better understand how they make meaning of these experiences. Ross Vady is an associate professor in sports psychology at St. Mary's University. He has conducted extensive research on sports injuries and growth following adversity, which will be the focus of the second part of our conversation. He is also the editor of the recently published book, Sport Injury Psychology, Cultural, Relational, Methodological and Applied Considerations, which will inform some of the conversations we will have. So welcome to the podcast, Ross, and I very much look forward to our conversation. Thank you very much, and thank you for the invitation. I think we should have met a long time ago I've read your work for so many years but here we are finally and yeah it's really exciting and as I mentioned before we started a lot of listeners have liked the part when researchers talk a little bit about how they relate to their uh, research work that they are doing so maybe just share us a little bit you've done so many studies on sport injury over the last 10 years is that injury experience something that has played a part in your own involvement in sport? Yeah, thank you very much. It's a,
1: it's a question that comes up an awful lot, actually. So when, um, when you go to conferences and you chat to students and stuff, they, they constantly ask for the stories um, sort of behind the research and my own personal journey, uh, which I think is great. It's, my response is actually not, um, I've never really experienced a meaningful injury. So I've never, I've been injured. Um, but nothing like a significant injury, and nothing that's meant a lot to me. I probably didn't push myself hard enough. I'm quite, um, I'm quite a soft individual, and I and I welcome that. But it's yeah, it's it's interesting that I've gone on this trajectory towards this research in this area. I think the main thing that um, really pushed me into it eventually is something that's always resonated with me is I like to help people that's something that that excites me. If I can make a difference or if I can ha- support it, any individual, I find meaning in that and I I, en- I enjoy that kind of work. And over the years, I was very much started off in the performance literature and I, I didn't find a lot of meaning in that. And then injury was something when I started hearing stories, I thought this is a space that I could help. So that's something that's really pulled me into this area and kept me in it. And I, yeah, so the main motive is not really about um, essentially my own experiences of injury, but it's it's a space where I feel I can help others. And that's, biggest motive as I can have really that that keeps me going and keeps me hungry
0: yeah absolutely and you mentioned that maybe you didn't have such a meaningful injury or injury that really shaped the course of your sport involvement but of course we know that for many athletes uh, those injuries can be really turning points so I've only been involved in one study that we did looking at injuries and we had two athletes and and in-depth narrative interviews with them. And for them, it was really almost like a crisis of meaning when some of their relationships were breaking down and the experience that they had with their clubs and kind of really feeling abandoned and feeling like an outsider. And this kind of really painful experiences that they were sharing, that that was really something that led them to question the meaning of their sport lives and the relationships they had in sport, but so I've only been involved in this one case study, and you've talked to loads of athletes about their injury experiences. So maybe you can reflect a little bit on that. Do you hear often this kind of stories where these kind of questions about meaning arise, and and if so, who do you think are the people who are often having this kind of almost a crisis of meaning?
1: Yeah, um yeah, a great study by you, Nora, there. I, I really enjoyed that study. But I, very much so um I think that's what's kept me interested. I mean, I'm very much in my early research when I started to do interviews with my PhD, I was yeah, very privileged to hear these injured athletes' stories and how they were struggling. You know, they were questioning their identity. It really puts a fork in the road for athletes and and it's interesting, it's a curious story, suddenly everything's going on very well, everything's smooth, but then suddenly an injury comes about and it creates a fork, it creates an unexpected sort of situation and it can test people's character and it's it's interesting. I mean, I think the things that, a lot of the stories that I hear around it, yeah, is very much, uh, so athletes start questioning themselves. um, who Who am I? What does this injury mean to me? There's a lot of challenges that come with it, You know, a lot of sort of adversity and a lot of sort of negative responses and, and the, a lot of athlete, injured athletes really struggle to process this. You know, not many people are there are willing to hear it. This kind of negativity, if you want to call it, isn't really welcomed in sport. Uh, it can lose social capital. for people around them if, you know, they start considering them weak. It can put people in quite a dark space, I think, in this, especially the early math aftermath of injuries or with, with a series or repeated series of injuries as well. So very much so, yeah, it can bring a lot of meaningful questions and yeah, I guess, I guess who's, who's particularly vulnerable? I, t- I mean, to be honest, a lot of, a-, a lot of athletes don't have this quest for meaning or this, um, a lot of athletes cope very well with it. Frustratingly, um, and a frustration of mine is injury is often expected, which is a narrative I don't really like. It's almost considered part and parcel of sport, which is, yeah, which is a frustration, but a lot of people, you know, athletes are typically quite resilient. It's quite a tough in- environment to be an elite sport and they develop coping strategies to deal with this which nearly actually led me away from this field of research because I started to do lots of research and I did applied practice. And to be honest, a lot of a- injured athletes didn't need my help. Um, so going back to sort of what makes research meaningful to me, if, if I can't help or if it's not needed, I may shift. But then there were this, this, this pool of injured athletes who, for example, probably have quite a huge athletic identity and sport means a great deal to them, who probably have quite low self-esteem or quite contingent sense of self. very much wrapped around sport these are probably what you know quite red flags quite um sort of interesting cases where they could be quite could injury could could pose quite a challenge for them so these are kind of people that that i feel (coughs) sport and the infrastructures and process around sport could better help them which is which is of interest to me
0: i think it's so interesting that you also mention how much these cultural narratives shape our expectations and how we make meaning of that injury that. Also in the couple of years ago when I was doing interviews with youth athletes about their careers and, and there was one young guy who was, he'd been injured quite badly the previous year, but he was just saying that everybody gets injured and it wasn't like a big deal for him. So he was saying that I knew that this will happen at some point. I just didn't know when. And so for him, it wasn't any type of crisis of meaning. It was more like this is just part of the game. And now I'll just do my rehab and then I'll be back and continue where I kind of left off.
1: Yeah, it's really common that I guess some cracks start to appear sort of or I guess, when when the injury can't be fixed or um, things get a bit dubious then or. Perhaps it's a series of injuries and perhaps people don't return back to the state they thought they would. And that kind of narrative of, you know, it's quite a resilience narrative where, you know, you can just deal with it, and move on and, and return back to where you were. I mean, it can do a lot of good, but it also it's quite a precarious narrative as well. It can do bad. If, you know, if that storyline doesn't fit anymore or their personal storyline doesn't deal with that anymore, then worries can start to creep in.
0: Yeah, I think now we are jumping ahead of ourselves. I was going to ask you a little bit about how you came into this uh, very relational thinking and and looking into narratives. So maybe just explain a little bit how your thinking around this evolved over the years and how you ended up where you are with your thinking right now.
1: It's taken me an awful long time to get happy in a space in academia where I'm quite happy. I mean, back back when I did my undergrad and my master's, sort of early PhD, Obviously, I'm influenced by who teaches me. I'm influenced by the topics and the course and the curriculum. And it's always been, back then, very much individualistic. It's all about helping the individual, very neoliberal. About, you know, it's all about the self and how, what sort of self-help strategies that injured athletes can use. Back then as well, it was sort of talking the late 90s, early part of the century, a lot of the sports ecology literature, and I was very much in that bubble. I didn't read much outside of it, to be honest, at that stage. It was very influenced by stress. So stress was a big concept.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we drew heavily from like Richard Lazarus's work, um, which really pushed sort of cognitive appraisals, you know, the way we think when we initiate primary appraisals, secondary appraisals, further appraisals. And I would have been heavily influenced by that work because that was considered sort of the gold standard around that time. And, and I know my supervisors would have been heavily influenced by that. And obviously, it was very underpinned by sort of cognitivism, sort of uh, cognitive behavioural kind of thought. But it was interesting around that stage as well. I, I started to chat to different people and, and it's kind of like, um, I know relational is a big thing for me in terms of my own research, but it's also as part of being an academic, I've learned so much by just by talking to other academics. And I was really influenced by Dr. Ian Mitchell back then, who was doing social psychology, Dr. Chris Wagstaff, who was doing organisational psychology. And to be honest, probably the biggest um, influence back then as well was people in sports ecology started to publish things that were sort of um, went against the grain a bit. You know, I, I, I just love the work of Brett Smith and Andrew Sparks. It, when I read that work, it kind of like does things, it, it intrigues me. I, I'm... I just I want to read more. It's messy, paradoxical. It's it's complex. It's um, it's more real to me. And I didn't know you could do research like that. I didn't. For me, all my early research was very deterministic. It was very much seeking what this thing called causality was. I was very influenced by positivism at the time. And really lucky for me, I, you just I met a few people along the way who. Just gave me a, a bit of a nod here and there and listened to sort of some of my concerns. I remember bumping into David Carlis once and he really encouraged me to read some certain books that were really helpful in developing my thoughts and my thinking and sort of some of my musings around this area. So I'm really, I'm really grateful there's some really good people out there. And I, I think, no, if it wasn't for them, my, my worry would be I'd still be very much thinking, um, my thinking would be 20 years ago. So yeah, I'm really glad there's some good people out there, really sort of. Doing some research that's going against the grain and creating a, a better place, really, for more richer insights and diverse insights has really helped my thinking moving forward.
0: Yeah, and thinking there are many, many fields in which this kind of more relational and, for example, narrative type of approach is now being used. And I also think that's very, very exciting development. And and also for me being a younger scholar, and, and they've really paved the way that now that we are writing in this style, it's not received by the reviewers saying that this is not valid type of work. Yeah. So, So they've really paved the way for having this kind of qualitative narrative, also case study approach being something that is widely accepted. So I think that's like really a wonderful time now to be working with these things really that there's a lot of interest in in these ideas and really developing them further
1: yeah it's exciting it's really exciting and just thinking as well no i mean the other thing that really helped me was actually doing applied work
0: mm-hmm I think yeah. if
1: just, and doing more research in the field to getting away from this horrendous desk of mine and just getting out there and you can sort of when you just spend time in the field and observe what's going on you can just see the relational impact and, and how people influence each other and and if you start going in different contexts you can see how you can just see that each context can celebrate certain storylines and dismisses other ones and suppresses yeah. them and i think just being out there in the field you can for me it's very much you can see it's more relational and cultural Um, rather than what happens in between someone's two ears, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's also easy to become quite conscious of what is the story that you are telling yourself, that when I'm interacting in my sports environments and what are the stories that others are telling and what kind of story am I telling? Because obviously there are different ways that we can start storying our academic or sporting lives and that really gives us or raises this self-awareness that what type of story am I telling and what parts am I omitting? Yeah, what are we doing with that as well? So, academics, sports psychology researchers, and you are working as an applied practitioner as well, we are also playing a part in terms of providing these narrative resources. So, we have to be really thinking of what kind of story we are offering to athletes.
1: It's so important, yeah. And, and you have to be so careful with the, the morals and ethics with all that as well. I was really just you saying that actually brought back. I attended a keynote by Andrew Sparks at. A qualitative research and sports and exercise at um, Chichester University and one of his closing slides was sort of you know what narrative are you living by right now and yeah. he posed it to all of us in the audience and it's something to be honest although I'm quite a reflexive individual I didn't, I didn't really I didn't really know and it, it's brilliant just having academics like that that are challenging you and it was really nice to sort of look a bit inwards about my own narrative and you know I keep wanting to explore other people's but maybe I should if I look inwards it also helps I think very much helps with your own research
0: Mm -hmm. And doing this podcast where we talk about meaning, and then people ask me about, well, what is your meaning in sport? And (laughs) it's like, well, it's not so easy to say. (laughs) No, no. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Let's talk about your new book that you've edited, The Sports Injury Psychology, that was published by Routledge last year. It's such an exciting collection of chapters that are using this more relational approach to understanding injury maybe just share a few words what you wanted to achieve with this book and whether you feel that that was achieved.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know whether I can answer the second question because I think the impact of the book, I'm really interested in probably the next five, six years or decade and see where research goes. I think that's how I evaluate it. Yeah. Of course. Anyway, mm. to be honest, editing that book was one of the best things I've done. I, There's been a frustration of mine for quite some time now to shift towards more cultural and relational, I guess, um, time pressures at work and a lot of other things. I haven't been able to really chew the fat on that and really start pushing it. I was aware at the time there were some fantastic scholars, and I was very lucky um, that all of them that I approached, you know, accepted the invitation. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the book itself, I I love it. I'm a big fan of it. it. It did what I wanted to do in terms of the book. Whether the longer term impact, we can evaluate that later. But I guess I wanted to challenge that individualistic thread that's been going through all of sort of the psychology sport injury literature. It's all about the individual self. It's all about self help strategies. Um, it's all about this sort of this underpinning cognitivism. The way we think um, influences the way we feel and how we behave. And you know, very much building on um, Diane Vice Beyond Star's work here as well. I, I wanted to shift the attention more towards the relational. More towards the social. I mean, all the chapters I just love. I mean, I mean, Tony Williams openings chapter, uh, is just a wonderful. I, I've read it so many times now and, and it looks at, you know, the way, how the broader narratives that circulate in sport and in rehabilitation context can help, uh, individuals make sense of their experiences. So how we are influenced by the social around us and the cultural around us. I mean, then you've got Kerry McGannon's chapter on media i mean i just wish i could write like her and she it's wonderful it's you know she's looking at media you know and what what stories the media push and how and um, the stories in the media you know how they influence the way athletes construct their meaning and you know and this is this is i, I mean i know for Kerry, this is she, you know she's familiar with this literature and if you look at sports media research and sports communication but this is novel for our area in our little bubble it's quite new a lot of us for so long have thought that everything happens in between the years but you know but what we read what we let ourselves and have let ourselves read and what we you know it really does impact us and yeah i can keep going on i mean all the chapters i mean, I mean michael atkinson he I, i've still i still read that chapter and learn something new every time about pain that's one person i need to sit down and buy lots of coffees i'd love i'd just love to unpick um, his brain he's very clever really so well read and i'm delighted to put his chapter I mean, he's, he's in really thinking big, you know. He really wants to push this cell to society perspective, really pushing this sort of interdisciplinary discourse. And I think it's fantastic. And I, I look forward and trying to find new spaces rather than um, real, you know, real originality and new ways of sort of coming into this body of research. Um, and, and what was nice as well with the book is we've got real, you know, established scholars, but really exciting ones as well. I like Nicholas Dean you know, on concussion, it was fantastic, you know, an up and coming researcher, God, I wish I was that bright when I was that young, it, just fantastic ideas. And it's, it's nice to see novel researchers and, and new talent coming through. They're all great, I can continue talking, but it's, it's lovely to see. Well, I think what the book did, which was really nice, is gave us sort of access to sort of a lot of the cultures that are out there that influence, can influence injured athletes, but also as well, a lot of the relational impact um, it's something I observed in my consultancy, and and the more time I spend in the field, it's very much, you know, injury just doesn't impact the individual. It does impact the whole network around it. I see parents suffering. I see physios suffering. I see coaches struggling, and, and I think, you know, it's important that we really cast our net wider and look at the impact of injury. Rightly so, we need to focus attention on the injured athlete, but there's so many more people that can need help we can better support them in their own ways, but also we can better support them in how they help injured athletes. And so the chapters by Laura Martinelli, Francesca Cavallario, all, you know, looking at the physio, the coach and the parent, you know, they're really exciting areas of research that really need tapping into. Um, And I really look forward to seeing, I hope people picking up these threads anyway.
0: And having read, parts of the book not all of it i can say that it certainly extends the discourse and you said that the impact we will obviously see that later on but i think just having this interdisciplinary conversations around injury and really extending also beyond the athlete in my view that's that's really something that is pushing the boundaries so in that sense it's really doing what you intended to do with that so yeah yeah i think it's really a wonderful resource
1: thank you very much very i kind can't of to say
0: But you've talked a lot about other people's fantastic research and you also have some really innovative new research that is about to be published and I was lucky to read the draft and you are really pushing further with this thinking around narratives of injury and what is the impact of these different stories we tell about our injury experience and I would love to spend just the last 5-10 minutes talking about this new paper that you have Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's um, it came. Um, I guess there was a, a bit of a fork in the road for me personally. I, I, just to give a little bit of context there, and when when I inherited the injury literature, it was quite um, doom and gloom. It was quite, um, you know, injuries a negative event with negative consequences, and and uh, at that time, you know, there was this um, small thread about growth following adversity, and there was a paper by Elaine Udry that started to look at sort of how. Um, injury could be quite beneficial so I, I kind of wanted to challenge I guess the traditional uh, narrative around there that you know to provide a nice counter argument that there can be good and bad following injury and I think that's I've, I've almost um, come to a point now where that's almost done and we, I think now we need to go broader and I've I've been so fortunate I've got an, an, an amazing PhD student here called Kira Everard who's she's fantastic so formerly athlete and she's Falling in love with narratives. She just loves the work of Arthur Frank and very much influenced by Brett Smith and Andrew Sparks. And we wanted to sort of push the literature further here and explore various different ways that injured athletes stories their experience. At the moment, it's always been traditionally drowned by the sports ethic and by the sort of the culture of risk. And we were like, well, actually, we were worried that if we keep pushing these sort of broader cultural narratives, that it can lead to quite an impoverished kind of narrative thread. We need to look at other ways of storing injury experiences. So, yeah, so Kira, yeah, identified several narratives, some that we've already talked about, Nora. So there's very much a resilient narrative about individuals that deal with injury very well. Um, So these are quite common and very much that embeds sort of this culture of risk and it embeds this sort of broader sports ethic about people you know, overcoming these challenges and, and leads very much as well into the performance narrative literature by David Carless and Katrina Douglas. But yeah, and I think what, what she does as well, which Kira, I think is really nice is she opens new ways of story and injuries experience. So she's come out with um, sort of more, more to me narrative um, and as well this longevity, longevity narrative, which are two narratives for me, which are quite novel and new. Um, so the longevity narrative is very much treated injury is quite this learning experience and actually how injuries can be can be quite useful and essentially they can sort of create a longer career and it's sort of within this interwoven within this narrative is very much sort of training smart rather than training hard which is something you see a lot in sort of magazine articles such as um, athletics weekly and running magazines but it's something that um, us as academics haven't really spent much time researching and you know the training smart training hard really goes against the sports ethic you know sports ethic is all about pushing yourself pushing yourself to the limits by bringing out a new storyline which for, for me has probably been quite suppressed a lot in academia and probably a lot in sporting cultures um, around training smart and how you do that and what, what does training smart look like and how can you train smart and It can mean different things to different people, but I thought that was a fantastic new storyline. for those people who want to stay in sport and have quite a long career, it's an option. And the more to me, uh, I think personally, uh, I've got a lot of friends who are runners as well. And the more to me narrative is, is one that I particularly like. I've had a lot of friends who have struggled quite a lot with injuries. And I think what the more to me one does, which is what I've seen them do, is actually when they start having multiple identities, a sort of a, a more diverse life injury doesn't impact them as much so when when injury does strike in someone's career is these individuals have got more going on in life um there's more things going on so that you know they're not their well-being isn't that reduced Yes, yeah, so you just coming. i mean going back to right at the start of our conversation what makes people vulnerable to this meaning Um, this quest for meaning or this search for meaning or sort of you know some of the challenges that injured athletes face I think it's more to me sort of buffers that you know there's other things going on in their life and I think that's for me quite new and quite novel Uh, I've seen it happening in sort of sporting industry a a, a bit and some people talking about it but again I don't think it's been really researched that much especially in a sport injury context Mm -hmm. Um, so that's interesting There are a couple of other narratives as well that Kira picked on from the snowball one, when things just get worse and worse and worse, kind of a a narrative of decline. And this is quite a worry for me. I mean, these people, again, I think narratives are helpful because you can sort of plan ahead. If if you can see someone on this storyline, we can foresee future incidents. So it it can be quite a helpful storyline in helping set up the environment and support network around people who may be going down that road um, or using that storyline to frame their experiences. And there is another one but I forgot forgot it now. But um but I re- I do I do love the paper and I, I do love what it does. And again, challenging the literature, which which is very much is what excites me. But all the praise goes to Kira on this paper. She, she's worked really hard on it and I'm really proud of her for doing it. It's great.
0: Yeah, I look forward to seeing it in print and I'll just link the paper also in our show notes.
1: That'd be very kind of you. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, you mentioned this working as an applied practitioner, how would you use this narrative typology to inform your applied work with athletes? Yeah, I don't work
1: as an applied practitioner now anymore, uh, nor but I did. But yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and one, that's the kind of question that keeps me up at night. And that's the kind of question me and Kira are debating continually at the moment. So it's great, you know, we're not expecting to change the world with these, um, but I think it's really nice that we're letting these other storylines breathe. Um, but we feel it's quite our duty now, you know, first the first step for us was to get the publication out. But now, I guess for us, it's in terms of disseminating it and showing these narratives. It's interesting how others will use them and how others see value in it. I think probably Kira and I take the pressure off ourselves a little bit, which is quite nice. You know, we would love to see change. We'd love to see that. But we don't really know how. We're probably not the best people to ask. I think you know what's really useful is when we if you start uh, collaborating with industry and collaborating with others who are in the field that are embedded in the field the gatekeepers kind of thing and hopefully they can really help identify ways that we can embed this you know if it is simple things like holding workshops or like a narrative pedagogy kind of course you know you know having debates about these stories or and looking at various things around around the cultures you know what what are the pictures up on the walls? What kind of, you know, what are these cultures pushing and considering other ways of other ways of creating a more inclusive sort of culture to enable these various different stories to be celebrated? I don't know whether I've really answered your question, but it's a really tough one, one that I'm really excited to, to keep chewing on.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you you answered the question. And I think that's such an important part to just give the stories to people, to coaches and athletes and... And they can reflect on those stories, which which one is the story that they are telling. And also, when I was talking to Katrina in the podcast, and she's also oh, yeah. has been sharing the different the performance discovery and relational narratives yeah. and workshops and other contexts. And for people just to reflect on that there are different ways to live a life of an elite athlete and in the same way. Uh, what you are doing is that there are different ways of bringing meaning to a sports injury. And so that it's possible to find a different type of meaning and and really to reflect on then what is your story. But I think also in your injury narratives, it's so important also that really your lived experience is also restricting what kind of story you can tell. So for that athlete who is in the snowball narrative for them it's very difficult to construct this longevity narrative because their lived experience doesn't fit it
1: definitely it'd be, yeah it'd be really interesting and and again interesting moving forward how all how will these narratives interrelate um you know because people in certain cultures you know they don't all just share what and, and looking at the dynamics between people you know and about the stories they tell but it'd be, it'd be fascinating um, and i guess and that's and that's what keeps me going in academia. I guess it's exciting where we go from here. I'll keep you posted.
0: Yeah, lots of exciting developments coming out. I'm, I'm certain of that. Wonderful. Let's finish up for our first part, and and we can have a little break, and then move on to talking about growth following adversity. So, thanks so much. Pleasure, Noah. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Through Podcast.